Hello, everyone. This is Elizabeth Duar, the Executive Director of the Benicia Historical Museum at the Camel Barns. We are continuing our COVID quarantine camel cast, and this is episode one of 2021. Naturally, we didn't know that we would be continuing this podcast series, but we're very fortunate to have Jim Lessinger with us once again, the museum's research historian, with part one of a two or even three-part podcast on the history of Rancho Sascal. Jim, thanks for joining us. So, when talking about Rancho Sascal, what geographical area are we talking about? Well, Rancho Sascal encompassed about 80,000 acres that included what is now Benicia, Vallejo, American Canyon, and the western part of the Susan Marsh. That's a pretty large area. We really need to remember that there were indigenous peoples here long before Rancho Sascal. Can you tell us something about those people? The Patwin people occupied the area that became the Rancho. In the Patwin language, Sascal means wet and green and refers to the marsh lands. The word for person in the language of the Patwin people is Patwin. The Patwin lived in small bands of fewer than 100 persons and spoke a dialect of the Winton people who lived in the Napa Valley and the Sacramento River Valley. Is it true that Rancho Sascal and this entire area was once a mission rancho? Yes, it is. The mission San Francisco Solano was founded in Sonoma in 1823 and Rancho Sosco was one of its mission ranchos. The mission is located in the northernmost end of the El Camino Real and was the last one founded in California. Father Jose Altamara, Franciscan priest trained in Spain, was assigned in 1819 to Mission Dolores in Yerba Buena, now San Francisco. He soon became dissatisfied with the unexcited rhythm of mission life and dreamed up a plan to establish a new mission north of Mission San Rafael. Bypassing the church leadership, he applied directly to Governor Luis Arguello for permission to establish the mission. Arguello presented the plan to the Territorial Assembly in Monterrey in 1823, which approved the scheme. For good measure, they added the transfer of Mission San Rafael to the new mission. I guess that the church was pretty annoyed with this Arguello, yes? When the bishop caught word of the scheme, he was enraged at Altamar's insubordination. A three-sided negotiation ensued between Arguello, Altamar, and the Bishop of Monterey that resulted in the founding of Mission San Francisco Solano, named after St. Francis of Solano, a martyred Peruvian missionary. And didn't I hear that you had the opportunity to visit the grave of this St. Francis of Solano? Yes. Coincidentally, when my wife and I were in Lima, Peru, we visited a large cathedral there, basically because there was nothing else to do that day. And we got a tour, and there it was. The tour guide says, and this is the grave of San Francisco Solano. So we were able to tell her about Solano County and Mission Solano. She was surprised to hear that, and we mailed her a whole bunch of information on it. That's charming. That's one of those, it's a small world experience. Yes, so tell us more about the territory. The territory that belonged to the mission was enormous and included most of the land north of the Carcanus Straits. Several ranchos, including Petaluma and Susco, were formed by the mission priests to provide food and income. Unfortunately, Father Altamara relied on flogging and imprisonment 
and bring the Tatwin and Winton neophytes into the church, and many escaped. Finally, in 1826, they rebelled and burned the buildings, forcing Altamara to flee to Mission San Rafael and eventually to Spain. The mission was rebuilt and went through a succession of priests until secularization. And we will be doing a future podcast on the entire mission system, but we will save that for a later date because that is something that needs to be further explored. What happened next to the rancho? Was it nationalized? Yes, the mission and its land were nationalized into Rancho Nacional Solano in 1834. The missions and the Mexican government owned most of the property in California prior to 1830. At that time, only 21 pieces of property were in private hands in all of Alto, California. Thus, there was little property for new immigrants, the sons of California dons, and the legions of unemployed Spanish army veterans left to their own devices after Mexico renounced the Spanish crown in 1821. That sounds like a recipe for disaster, frankly. Well, the missions were never intended by the Council of the Indies, which ran the affairs in the New World for the Spanish crown, to be permanent. They were intended to exist only for about 10 years until enough neophytes were converted and a pueblo could be established and at which time the mission church would become parish churches. And now what is the definition of a pueblo? A pueblo was a specific entity under Spanish and later Mexican law. It was about four square leagues of property that could be used for houses, businesses, squares, churches, things of that nature. I see. And now, if memory serves, beginning in 1833 and over the next 16 years, all of the missions were nationalized or secularized by the California Department of the Mexican government. That's correct. And as I said before, Mission Salado was secularized in 1834, and Rancho Nacional Toscal was established. This left a power vacuum in the northern tier of North Mexican California and vast stretches of land to be divided. Incidentally, the mission buildings and the immediate adjacent lands were returned to the church in 1863 by a presidential order by President Lincoln. Now that's interesting. We can add that to the list of Lincoln-related Venetia events. Is this just about the time where General Vallejo enters the picture? Yes. Guadalupe Mariano Vallejo, General Vallejo, came to Rancho Susco in 1833. Vallejo was born in 1807 at the Presidio of Monterey, the most distant outpost of the Spanish Empire that lasted from the first voyage of Columbus to the Spanish-American War. Above all else, he was a Californian, a Spanish Creole born in California, an officer and a gentleman, and an hombre de razón, a man of reasoning and learning. At the age of 22, he was appointed second lieutenant and in 1829, he defeated Chief Estanislao and the Miwok Indians among reports of brutality on both sides. Vallejo next came to the attention of Governor Jose Figueroa, a prime mover in California history and a man who was part Aztec. And now somewhere around this juncture, Vallejo met and fell in love with and married Francesca Maria Felipe Benicia Carrillo. Yes? In 1832, Vallejo marries a member of a wealthy and politically powerful California family. Vallejo is transferred to the San Francisco Presidio, and a year later, their first child arrived. Later that year, Figueroa advanced 
Leho to the rank of general and placed him in command of a military post in Sonoma adjacent to Mission Solano. Figueroa also awarded Vallejo the 66-acre Rancho Petaluma. And I gather that he wasn't just a brilliant military leader, but also an extremely skilled politician. Well, he was able to make peace with his neighbors, the Russians at Fort Ross, the Padres of the Mission, and the remaining Patwin peoples. He forged a cutting alliance with a seven-foot-tall Patwin, whom he named Chief Solano. Vallejo's large adobe homes in the Sonoma Plaza and at Rancho Petaluma soon became renowned for their hospitality. In 1843, Vallejo obtained the rancho from the Mexican government in exchange for 5,000 Spanish pieces of eight that the government used to support a military battalion. So this acreage from Rancho Sascal was added to Rancho Petaluma for a total landholding of, what, like almost 150,000 acres? Yes, near that. Importantly, Vallejo received the same property, Rancho Nacional, by two means. First was a colonialization grant from the Mexican government on March 15, 1843, and two, a purchase contract from the Mexican government on June 19, 1844. So, can you give us, please, a short primer on Spanish and Mexican land grants? Well, during the Spanish era, the term land grant was a misnomer. The land belonged to the King of Spain and was administered by a viceroy in Mexico City and the governor in Monterrey, Alta California. Concesiones and reconocimientos, recognitions, were officially granted to the missions and individual users. Presidios were formed and Ranchos del Rey, Royal Ranchos, were organized to supply the Presidios with food. As the missions were formed, gigantic tracts of land were transferred to the church by concession. These lands were subsequently broken into administrative units of mission ranchos, such as Rancho Soscal and Petaluma. Military veterans, such as Sergeant Jose Ortega, who discovered San Francisco Harbor, were awarded concessions for large tracts of land distant from the royal and mission ranchos. Lastly, four square leagues were set aside for the use of pueblos, where houses, small stores, and manufacturing shops were placed, and also for rancherias, which were set aside for the Indian tribes. Mexico gained independence from Spain in 1821, and the Mexican laws of 1824 and 1825 clarified the issues of land ownership so that actual land grants of full title could be made. There were several steps to ownership of a land grant that began with a petition to the governor and ended with a requirement for cultivation of the land. In this way, not only were the Petaluma and Suscal ranchos granted to Mariano Vallejo, but Rancho Susin was granted to Francisco Solano, chief of the tribes of the frontiers of Sonoma, and Chief Solano was essentially a front for Vallejo, thus increasing his acreage. You know, I think that we are out of time today, Jim. Of course, this episode of the podcast on Rancho Susco will be continued. Meanwhile, do go to the museum website and peruse our online archives, and you'll also find a link to previous podcasts we've recorded. Please be sure and visit us when we reopen. Meanwhile, like us on Facebook, and remember, the history of California is written in the story of Benicia.